Nicely done. That is, that is Christmas, huh? Hey, everybody. My name's Doug. If you haven't been here since Easter, I'm probably new to you. Uh, <laughs> if you've been here the last couple months, I've had the privilege of being invited to teach here for a while, and I'm so excited to be a part of this on, on uh, Christmas Eve, Eve. And as I was driving here, I only do this in the car when I'm by myself and in the shower as I bust out in a little bit of song, but I love the Christmas songs and just the one that you go to. It's your go-to Christmas song. What is it? Talk to me. Jingle bells. Okay, we'll start with this side over here. This, I've been here a dozen times and this room still freaks me out. But Silent night, all right. When it snows. All I want for Christmas, you were losing it, so I had to start floating this way. Oh, holy night. What'd you say? Enjoy to the world. Okay, that's really good. <laughs> Mine. God rest ye merry gentlemen. I can bust that out all year round. I sing that 12 months of the year. My kids always laugh, but it's like when I walk in the door, God rest ye merry It's either that or when a man loves a woman. <laughs> now that CeeLo Green has been happening, I'm all in Mary, did you know? So I, I may have a third that I'm adding to it. Here's my problem with singing, though, and uh, is I, I'm not good. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not. I have no rhythm. I have no voice. I can't clap and sing at the same time. And I like to do this sometimes with crowds because there are a few of you who are in my club. You have to pick one or the other. You either clap or you sing. You can't do both. Who's in my club? Let me see. Yeah, it's, it's actually small, but I'm not alone. And I, I literally, I have to pick one because I can derail any melody at any time. But God rest ye merry, gentlemen, moves on to being tidings of comfort and joy. And we are really in part three of this series that we've been doing this month on comfort and joy. And Kyle's going to come up in just a little bit and talk with us as well. We're going to talk about what does it look like in our life in the 21st century in 2012-13 to have comfort and joy. Everybody wants comfort and joy. And actually, everybody wants to sell us their version of comfort and joy. Somebody showed this to me this week. I thought this was interesting. Find comfort and joy in chocolate. How many of you would say amen to that? Yeah, and for some of you, I've just lost you for the whole message, and I'm sorry, because that's all you're, you're, you're thinking about. Uh, but we all need comfort and joy. We, we're longing for comfort and joy, and thankfully, Christmas delivers comfort and joy. Not in the form of presents, and, and not, not in the form of Santa, and I actually feel bad for, for this kid right here, uh, but the, the comfort... <laughs> Sorry, you're going to be explaining that to dinner. Hopefully they can't read. Um, <laughs> the, the comfort and joy that we're talking about, it, it can't be purchased. It can't be manufactured. It can't be made up. You can't just sing a lyric on joy and feel it. You can't just hold the letters J-O-Y and just make that, you know, you're going to be happy all of a sudden. Okay. When, life, when life hits, and you know what I'm talking about, 
When life hits, when, when pain enters in, what do, you, what do you do? Where do you turn? Because the phrase tidings, which means seasons, seasons of comfort and joy, just that little song, it, it, it doesn't meet our deepest needs when there's pain. It's a little unrealistic to just sing a song and think things are going to change. It's, it's unrealistic and cruel. So here's my personal question to you on Christmas Eve. Eve. It's where do you turn? Where do you turn when pain hits? Where do you turn when your best efforts in South Orange County to keep everything tidy and neat and, and image conscious, where do you turn? When, when it's hurt, I love that. I love that you do. In just a second, you're going to come up and get the microphone and take over. Cause, but you're smarter than most adults because that's the answer to about half the questions that are, that are asked. Okay? But all of us have a little loss, a little pain, a little confusion, a little relational relationships that turn sour. And most of us, if we're really honest, what we do and it's nice to think that we would just so simply shout out God and actually go there. Most of us, we have, we have creative defaults. It may not be chocolate for your comfort food. It may be, as somebody knows me well and bought this for me today, Twizzlers. Okay, For me, this is my, my comfort food. A lot of times, I don't even have to eat it. I just need to pop it open and take a hit, just like that. And then... <laughs> And that, that actually does it for me. I just love the smell of Twizzlers. And I don't know why. It maybe has to do with, uh, you know, when I was a baby. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure, not sure they were around. But the, that brings me comfort. It does. And you might have your food. Let's get these kids a little comfort here. Yeah. Uh, you... It's like feeding the sharks. I'm sorry I did that. No, I'm, no, I'm, it, it's all right. It's all right. If we, if we had security, you guys would be removed. Uh, but it, maybe, maybe, honestly, it's not a food. For some of you, it's a drink, or it's a medication, or it's a romance novel, or it's sleep, or it's pursuing an unhealthy relationship or it's denial or it's workaholism that if I keep myself busy working I don't have to face some of the pain that is in my life and the problem with trying to numb our pain as we talked about a couple weeks ago is you can't do this selective numbing you can't just numb out the negative feelings and emotions in your life when you go to numb your pain you numb all your emotions you can't pick and choose so therefore you numb your love and your peace and your joy and the vibrancy that God created you and you don't live life to its fullest. There's got to be something better than this general anesthesia that we, we go after to calm our, our, our pain. We live in a broken world where comfort is a necessity. We just need to look back a few days to Newtown, Connecticut. To know that very bad things happen to very good people. And pain may not be in your house right now, but friends, it's down the street coming your way. Because none of us in here can escape the realities of life, but do we have to 
always turn to these default options that don't work. And Christmas is a time where we pause and say, no, that's the power of Christmas. Christmas says there's a better option than what the world offers you. The birth of Jesus changed everything because Jesus came as comfort. Jesus is comfort. But if we're honest, for most of us in here, Jesus is not our go-to first option when, when pain hits. Not now, and really not even at the time when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, the society of that time, they were under immense oppression. The Jewish people were like strangers in their own homeland. They were under rule of Caesar. There was, there was enormous persecution and, and fear. There was a time of great darkness. And what the people needed is they needed comfort, but they didn't need comfort in a little baby. They needed comfort in something more, something, someone more, something powerful. If you were to ask a first century Palestinian at that time, what do you need? You know what they would say? We need an army. We're not going to make it. We need God's supernatural army to come in and destroy Caesar's rule and conquest. That's what people wanted. But God didn't give people what they wanted. It's actually, it's almost, it's almost cruel in a, in a sense. They didn't give them what they wanted nor what they were expecting. Some of you can relate to that. Those of you that have done eHarmony or any of the other dating sites, you didn't get what you were expecting, did you? When you finally meet, you're like, oh, oh, that's not, <laughs> you, you're good in Photoshop, aren't you? Because somebody, somebody messed with your pictures. Uh, a lot, to, you know, and so you didn't get that. And at the time of Jesus, what these people wanted, they wanted a military savior to save them from their darkness. But not only did God know of their darkness, God had something else in mind. Take a look on the screen, John chapter 1, the gospel says this, the light, which is Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, the people were living in this dark time, and God sent the light. And when you're living in the dark, light brings this sense of comfort. You ask any little child who's afraid of the dark, there's something about a nightlight that just all of a sudden allows them to relax and to to feel at ease. Everyone knows that light wins. And this verse says there is, there is no darkness that is dark enough to conquer this light. Light wins. Christmas is God entering humanity as light. Is light in the midst of the darkness. But you know what? People weren't looking for the light. They were looking for an army. They were looking for conquests. They were looking for a win in a different form. Take a look at what the Bible says in John 1, verses 9 through 12. The true light, this is Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, 
The Bible says they didn't recognize Jesus as comfort. They, you know, and, and honestly, some things haven't changed. For some of us in here that when we're in pain, we, we don't recognize Jesus as comfort because we don't go to him. We say, Jesus is not what I need. It's not what I want. It's not what I'm expecting when I'm in pain. I've, got, I've figured other forms out. This week I was in the mall right across the street, and it was packed. And a lot of times when I hit, hit a mall during Christmas time, I actually have flashbacks to a terrible experience that I, that I had in the mall as a child. I grew up in a, in a house where my, both my parents had a, an interesting combo of, of occupations. My, my dad was an accountant, and my mom was a seamstress. And that may not seem like anything to you. You're like, what's the big deal? But it went like this. The accountant dad would say, I'm sorry, Doug, we can't afford those clothes. The seamstress mom would say, no problem, we can what? Make them. You just described my life. Everybody else growing up in school had labels, and I had homemade clothes from Marge Fields. And uh, I was the kid that got, actually got beat up a lot. And so as I spent much of my childhood in, in fabric stores, also known as abuse centers. And, and my, mom, my mom could spend hours in a fabric store just looking at fabric and these pattern books that she would just look at for, forever. And this is, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, there was no iPad. There was no, no electronic babysitters. No, I came from the creative generation. We caused trouble. We didn't watch it on TV. Okay? And so what I learned to do, for those of you that will remember, fabric was, was wrapped around, still may be for all I know. I, I stay away from those. Is it still wrapped around the big, the big cardboard deals? Okay, they wrap them around these cardboard deals. And then what they would do is they would put them in this little shelf and it made a teepee. So as a little kid, I'd be four years old, and I would crawl inside that teepee while my mom was lost in some fabric book, and as people would walk by the teepee, I would push the fabric out on them. <laughs> and they just it had no idea. They'd like put it back up, and they'd walk away, and I'd push it out again. Okay. And I can remember one time getting in so much trouble from my mom, so embarrassed, she pulls me out into the mall by my ear, where my dad is out in the lobby. He'd figure that out. He just didn't even enter the building. He'd just sit out in the lobby. And then my mom just storms off mad. And, then my da- and I'm, now, I'm now mad of my parents' occupation. I can't believe that I'm trapped in a fabric store. So my dad's like, come on, let's keep up. And my dad said, walk faster. And I was so mad having a little tantrum. When he said, walk faster, what did I do? Exactly. You've had that same tantrum or child. That was me. Then my dad said, keep your eye on me. And as soon as he said, keep your eye on me, what did I do? Look down. So now I'm walking slow like this through the mall. And then about, it seemed like five minutes later, I look up and I can't find my dad. All I see is these legs and people and bags and bodies walking by me. And I begin to panic. I'm like, oh no, they left me. They've threatened that they were going to send me an orphanage, and now, you know, here I am, I am in the mall. They're probably going to adopt a nice kid, okay? A kid that likes homemade clothes, Amish, something, you know, an Amish kid. And here I am just, just totally trapped, so I begin to cry, 
and I begin to spin around and I begin to look and all of a sudden, at a little bit of a distance, I see my dad leaning up against the, the, the wall with a big smile on his face. He had had his eyes on me the whole time. And I just go running over to him, jump up and say, hold me. And my dad grabs me and just held me. And I just, I'll never forget that feeling of just, that, that feeling of comfort when I was at, I was at such a loss. Now, a minute earlier, that's not the comfort I wanted. That's not what I was looking for. I had my own gig going on. Okay? I wanted, on my own way, I wanted a different life. I wanted to walk my own way. I wanted to look at what I wanted to look at. I wanted my dad to be a race car driver and my mom to cook licorice. I wanted, I wanted something very different. See, my version of comfort was keeping a distance from my father. Then I realized, no, what I really need is I need to run to him. Some of you know where this is going. Because really, that's Christmas. Some of you are saying, you know what, I've, I've, I've gone through life. I know how to comfort myself. I'm, I, I've, I, I know what I'm doing. Thank you very much. And Jesus is watching your life. He's got his eye on you. He's, he's actually smiling at the thought of you running to him. And he's maybe, in, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he's, he's whispering to you, I love you. You can, you can fight and declare independence all you want, but the comfort you need, I am. You can keep this safe distance, or you can run to Jesus. And it's really not a far run. It's actually you just need to turn around. That's what running is to him. See, Christmas is for you. Christmas is Jesus And Jesus came that you and I might have this incredible life, not only be comforted by his presence, but be filled with his joy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life to its fullest. So really, the beautiful thing of Christmas is his presence brings comfort and his presence brings joy. And Kyle's going to talk to us about what that joy is all about. Thanks, Doug. Love. Yeah, you can say that. That's pretty good, right? I mean, on comfort. I love, uh, it's pretty easy to talk about joy this time of year. You know what I mean? I mean, opportunities for joy uh, surround us. We get together and we laugh and we have parties and we have fun. And we drive in, in cars or malls and everywhere we hear songs about what? Joy. I mean, it's just screaming at us and shouting at us. And decorations are everywhere and the lights and the beauty and the majesty. Opportunities for joy exist all around us. And uh, one of the most profound examples of joy you get in the mail or in your inbox every single day, and that is a Christmas card, right? The profound illustration of perfect joy. We know that's not true because we take Christmas cards and we know what's behind that. There is screaming children behind those. There is button up, straighten up, everybody smile. Just for a split second, we get like a picture of joy. The other thing is, how many of you have taken pictures of kids with Santa? Right? Raise your hands. Yeah, I got some kids. We started with my daughter not so long ago, and that was like the first year with Santa. You can tell it didn't go so well, and so the following year we thought, this will be a breeze. 
You can't even see Santa in that picture. She's melting down. So my, her brothers are like, what the heck is happening with my demon sister? The following year, my wife figured it out, and she said, I know what I'll do. I'll just hold her. And you can see my wife, Holiday's going, take the picture quick. She's just okay. But finally, you know, they, they kind of figured it out. And so that was, I, I think, last year. Yeah, oh, right. Just an excuse for me to show my kids to you, Joy. But, you know, it does just seem easy to find joy in this season. You know, every night for me with my kids, we're singing songs in the car at the top of our lungs, and we're making little gingerbread houses that are a total disaster. Um, And every single night in the month of December, my daughter wants to watch The Grinch. And so, Grinch, anyone? Favorite Christmas movie? Like, we love The Grinch. We know The Grinch. But all these things are, they're glimpses and they're moments that we know what's around the corner. January. And we know what happens in January is you start taking down the lights and the decorations and we know the songs go off the radio and we know that the Grinch isn't on anymore. And so we put all these things away and all these glimpses and snapshots of joy just start to fade and they all go back in the box. And sometimes we think that's what joy does. It kind of just goes back in the box with the season of Christmas. And we start to wonder, is joy even possible? Outside of all these things, manufacturing Christmas and buying Christmas and gifts... Is joy possible? There has to be a true joy, a real joy, that it can endure the toughest moments in every season of life. And that's the beauty of what Christmas is. It's not just a moment in time. It's a gift that God gave that he wants to give us all year round. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 4 to 11, the Christmas story. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I love that. And we're just going to look at what caused this great joy. The first thing that's so important, what's the angel say? Well, you're like the A student, aren't you? Right there in the second row, just killing it. God, and just, oh, he told you, he cheated. (laughs) Right, the angel shows up and he says, don't be afraid. And I love that, right, because all of us can understand fear. I mean, whether it's uh, spiders or snakes or the dark or clowns or whatever it might be in our life. Some of you are afraid of clowns. I know that to be true. Uh, We understand fear. But we also understand fear at a whole different level in our life. The deep-seated fear that we just don't talk about very much. The fear of being alone. The fear of being forgotten. The fear of being abandoned, the fear of not being enough, the fear of disappointing people, the fear of failure, those kinds of fears. And I love that the angel shows up and he says, don't fear, don't be afraid. And I don't know about you, some of you may be like me, because what he's really announcing is what? He's announcing that God is showing up. And I don't know about you, but most of my life, I lived in fear of that. And I even grew up in the church. And I was still afraid of God showing up in my life because God to me was this giant man on like a huge white cloud with a huge finger and a fist. 
And he was going, don't screw it up. Oh, I saw you. You did it again. I can't believe you did that. You disappoint me. I'm so disappointed. That was God to me. And so the angel shows up and he's announcing God's coming. And so he has to say, don't be afraid. Because if you're like me, that would create huge amounts of fear and anxiety. But he says, don't be afraid. And why? The next line, I bring you good news. We're all looking for good news. We understand good news. And the good news here is that this is Jesus. And the God that you pictured showing up is showing up as a little baby. He's showing up as a little kid. He's going to put his life in the hands of teenagers to be raised by them. He's giving up all of his rights and responsibilities as God. And he's coming humbly to you. And he's showing up to you in the flesh because he knew that you were afraid. He knew that you could never be good enough. That you could never earn your way to him. So what he's doing is saying, I love you. I'm going to come close to you. That's good news. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And fear and joy, they can't coexist because of the good news. He's saying, don't be afraid of God. Receive the joy that God wants to give you in the gift of this good news. You see, the result of no fear and good news is... Doll, oh, that is so good. Let me tell you, you're in church... I'm, like 99% of the time, I'd go with Jesus. The result of no fear and good news is great joy. The result of no fear and good news is? Great joy. Attaboy. Great joy. That's what it says right here. It's a response. You can't manufacture great joy. Right? You can't just stir it up and put it on like an ornament on a tree. He's saying it comes from something deep inside of you. Think back to your own childhood, or if you are a child, think about this year. What is the present, the gift, that you want to receive more than anything? What is it that you wanted as a kid that you thought, oh, if I could only have that. I bet there's no way I'll ever have it, but if I could. It's like Ralphie in A Christmas Story, right? And that Red Rider BB gun. It's like, ah, oh, there's no way. But the response, man, did you get it? What happened when you got it? Some of you may be thinking, I never got it, and you're opening a lot of pain in my life right now at Christmas. <laughs> But when you got it, maybe it looks something like this. That's cute. What's your socks? Yeah. What? Are you wear? Things are cool. Yeah, I'm going to put this. Ah, my love. Oh, my love. Oh, my love. Oh, my love. Oh, it's so funny. No way. Oh, my
great joy. Right? That was you. That was you with that gift, the good news of great. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great. You can't manufacture the kind of response that you get when you see that that's what God gives you, the perfect gift. And here's the thing. It's not just this season. It's not once a year. It's not just a present. It's not a stocking. It's none of those things. It's this deep-seated relationship, this joy that he pours into your soul. And he says, it will give you strength for every season you go through. It is something that will provide the deepest and profound sense of relationship and comfort and peace and even joy in the midst of difficulty. This joy that you get, it's a gift to receive. You can't manufacture it. So let me give it to you. Let me bring it to you. I mean, what happens when we get the perfect gift? We think, oh, This person thought about me. They know who I am. They have insight into my life. They love me. And that's what God's doing, your creator. Is he saying, here's the perfect gift that shows a relationship with you. Only God, the creator of everything, the very creator of joy, could actually give the gift of joy. Who else can give you the joy that you're looking for? You, Jesus. And that's the gift to receive, right? And what does joy do? It brings freedom. It brings life. It brings strength. It brings purpose. Joy helps us move out of the fear of God pointing a finger at us and moves us to a place of saying, I believe that you love me, that you don't judge me, that you don't condemn me, that you adopt me as your own. I put my trust in you. I know that I can't do this on my own. I can't depend on my own goodness and on my own strength. And so I'm going to lean against the weight and the goodness and the strength and the perfection that exists in Jesus. Who restores? Who heals? God. Jesus. God. God, the creator of everything, who created every single one of you. Who knows better how to fit you back together than the person who created you? Nobody. (laughs) Do we have more Twizzlers? (laughs) Here's the best news. Wait for it. I heard you open them. I'm just kidding. Here's the best news. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And the great news is it's for all the for all the people. This good news is for everyone. I looked up the word all in the Greek, and you know what it means? All. <laughs> Everybody. It's not just the rich. It's not just the good. It's not just the churched. It's not just the perfect. And it's not just the poor. It's not just the broken or the oppressed or the hurting. It's for everyone. It's for the doubters. It's for those of us that are afraid. It's for those of us that are searching. This good news is for everyone. Great joy is accessible for everyone. It's not some exclusive gift that has a limited amount. He says, I will pour great joy into every single person. Everyone who's tired of performing and earning and trying, you're never too far away from Jesus. What you long for, what you anticipate, 
Everything you've been looking for is right here in Christmas. Jesus. And this joy is for every season of life. This joy will throw great parties where you laugh and dance and sing and celebrate with wonder. But this joy will also give you strength and sustain you in the most desperate seasons you walk through. Joy is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of Jesus. And like comfort, it may look different than what you want or expect. Joy is absolutely startling in the most difficult moments of life. When we walk alongside somebody who can express comfort and joy in desperate seasons, it is something that stops us. There's a family from our church who's been walking through this. We knew right away we wanted to get have a baby after we got married. We decided to just go ahead and start trying, and then three years passed by. I didn't realize getting pregnant can be so difficult. All right, let's do the noise thing. I really started becoming devastated. Felt like everyone else was getting pregnant that didn't want to, and that like in just a month they would get pregnant. In a sense, we're just kind of praying over and over and. Three years later, I got pregnant. <laughs> this happened like the month I was like, I'm never getting pregnant. Yeah, we were totally excited. You know, it was our very first son. And uh, for me, you know, that was a big deal. You know, I've always kind of dreamed of having, you know, our little boy, you know, grow up and, uh, you know, just got to raise him to be a man, you know. When you experience your own child being born, it's, it's this amazing feeling you can never, ever explain. It was the next day after I delivered. The doctor came in and sat us down and said, we think your son may have Down syndrome. And this nurse came up to us and she picked up our baby and she pointed at every single part of his body that she said looks like Down syndrome. And everything I had been memorizing was perfect. It seemed like it had a flaw now. And I saw the life my son would have. And my heart just broke because I didn't know if people would love him. I didn't know what that would mean for him. Yeah. What's your name? Can you say it now, I remember David was just crying holding our baby. And all of a sudden, everything, we were so excited about everything that was perfect for this day. We were just devastated. Yeah. That was probably one of the biggest moments in my life that I realized that it wasn't my child that needed change, but it was me and in my heart. I'm learning so much more about how God gives and takes away, how he keeps giving and he'll take away. He's creating a family I've been praying for, and he's creating himself to be more important than any of those dreams. And it's through these trials, and it's so weird how he gives comfort and joy through pain and hardships. God is bringing, a, a, it's a very different type of comfort that I've ever experienced in my life. And it's the comfort to not rely on anything but Him. I think we look forward to this Christmas because we'll get to pause on Christ and on the joy He's given us. And the comfort is so much sweeter when you've felt pain. Explain 
Sometimes joy dances. Sometimes joy weeps. Joy is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of Jesus in our lives. Jesus consistently announced himself as the source of all comfort and joy. That's what Christmas is all about, him showing up. So how do we connect to that? Let's go back to this passage in John 1 and just reflect on this. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, we all have access to this story. We've all seen and heard about the light and the wonder of comfort and joy that exists in Jesus. But it's not simply hearing. or It's about believing and receiving. And that's what we see, the great invitation in this passage. And it's really that profound and that simple. To just say yes to Christmas. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me just for a second as I close us in prayer? Father, tonight we thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you that you have your eye on every single one of us, that you created us uniquely, that you smile and you delight in who we are as your creation. And tonight you're saying, don't be afraid. Come out of hiding. Receive the gift of Christmas, the gift of comfort and joy in your life in a profound way. And for some of us, maybe this is the first time that we say yes to that story and believe it. Maybe it makes sense to us in a new way, or maybe we just receive it, and tonight's the night. For some of us, maybe it's a time to re-believe. The world has stolen our comfort and our joy, or maybe we've even handed it over to the world. And so tonight, you're just scooping us up in your arms and inviting us back. Whatever it is, help us to listen to your voice. Help it to be the loudest voice in our life. And help us to courageously respond to all that you're inviting us into this Christmas. Amen.